Today on The Journey with Steve DeWitt, a message about praying in Jesus' name. Praying in Jesus' name reminds us that apart from Him, all of our perception of spiritual merit that means God's got to hear my prayer means nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let those words sit on your hearts a second here. Nothing. So we can say that prayer truly is all about Him. Have you ever wondered why we pray in Jesus' name? Today on The Journey, Pastor Steve DeWitt explores the essence of our communication with God by unraveling the beauty of making Jesus the centerpiece of our prayers. We're discovering how every word uttered in prayer is an opportunity to draw closer to Christ and align our hearts with His purpose and power. Pastor Steve is sharing a message he preached during a week of prayer at Bethel Church in Northwest Indiana, where he serves as senior pastor. It's called prayer in Jesus' name. We actually started uh, the annual week of prayer many years ago, and the reason is, if I was to ask you, what are marks of a, of a biblical church? You might say, well, it's a church that, you know, believes what the Bible says, and yes, that is the case. And it's a church that's about the Great Commission, and yes, that is the case. And it's a church that loves its community, yes, that is the case. But if you were to compile everybody's lists, everybody would have prayer somewhere on it. And the best ones would have prayer near the top of the priorities of a biblical church. A prayerless church is a sorry church. A prayerless Christian is a sorry and probably struggling Christian. And we desire to be a God-pleasing church And we desire to model that for our people so that you can, in your own life, live a life of prayer. What more could you say about being a Christian than it is a life life of prayer? And so, uh, as we look to prayer and we realize that prayer is the best indication of somebody who understands how dependent they are on God, Surely, we all need a greater sense of how dependent we are on God. And you can look at the quantity and the quality of your prayer life as a pretty good indication of whether or not in the day-to-day of life, you how much you think you need God or not. I don't say that in any kind of a judgmental way. I, I mean it to inspire you and inspire us to greater levels of quality and quantity of prayer. And so years ago, our leaders recognized how important it is, and we established one week of prayer to hopefully inspire us to 52 weeks of prayer, and that prayer would remain an important priority in our, in our church. So today's message is kind of a split in two. Uh, I am going to be in the upper room because Jesus talks about prayer in the upper room, and he says some very extraordinary things about prayer, and I think if we understand what he says, it could only encourage all of us to up our game in terms of prayer. 
So there are three texts, primarily in the upper room, where Jesus refers to prayer. I'm going to read all three of them, and then we're just going to kind of take them apart and and learn from them. Uh, They are similar. You'll hear that in the language, but here they are. First of all, John 15, 7. If you abide in me, there's that abide language again. If you abide in me and I abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Wow. That sounds pretty great, doesn't it? We'll get into that in a second. Here's John 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Can I give a quick uh, little advertisement for next Sunday's message? He says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. There's a lot of very interesting theological debate about that that we're gonna get into in reference to the doctrine of election next Sunday. You might wanna come if you choose to come which would indicate that God determined that you would come before the foundations of the world. It's next week's message, next week's message. But hear what he says. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Wow, how's that for a promise? And then John 16. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Interesting. Truly, truly, or as the old King James says, verily, verily, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And there's that theme of joy that we talked about last last week. All right, so we start with the last text here because it places prayer in its redemptive story context. And I want you to see here that he says, in that day, you will ask nothing of me. Now, that doesn't sound like a statement that inspires a lot of prayer, right? The day's coming when you're not going to ask anything. What is he saying there? And what is he talking about? And you have to realize, as always, whenever you're reading the Bible, studying the Bible, is that the verse is in a context. And the context here, remember, it's the upper room. It's Thursday night. Jesus is 12 hours from his crucifixion. He is 18 hours from his death. He is 60 hours from his resurrection. He is 40 days from his ascension. And when you realize what Jesus is saying here, it's what he's been saying in the upper room. I'm getting ready to depart. And lots of things are going to change. And one of them that he highlights here is, when I ascend to the Father, I'm no longer physically going to be with you. You're not going to ask anything of me because I'm not going to be here anymore. I'm not going to be available to answer your questions. And we know if you read through the Gospels that the disciples were oftentimes asking Jesus questions, and they even do in the upper room. And think of the thousands of questions that the disciples, as they walked along the road and lived their lives together for these couple years, they asked him. He was always there. Jesus, what about this? Jesus, what about that? He was there to answer their questions. But very soon, they're not going to be able to ask him anything anymore. And you can imagine the disciples being like, well, who are we going to ask stuff then? And Jesus indicates the transition. He says, you're not going to ask me anything. You're going to ask our heavenly father. And you're going to do so in my name. In my 
name, in Jesus' name. I wonder if you've ever honestly sort of paused and asked the question, if you've prayed in Christian circles much, or probably even in your own life if you've prayed, I would imagine most of us have probably prayed prayers where we actually said, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, why have we done that? What is the, uh, why that little tag on the end? I've, I've prayed with people before, and it's, it's like they get to that point and they hit the gas. In Jesus' name, amen. It's like one word. In Jesus' name, amen. And my sense of it is that probably most of us do that because that's kind of how we were taught to pray. And we do it out of a kind of spiritual religious habit, but perhaps have never stopped and thought, why do we do that? Like, what is the, what is the purpose? Well, today we're going to unpack that. Why, first of all, do we pray in Jesus' name? And I wanna make it clear why we don't do it, okay? Why we don't do it. We do not do it because it's like a magic incantation that when we utter in Jesus' name, now God the Father is obligated because we've cast a magic spell on him to do everything that I have asked him to do. This would be kind of like, you know, bless my family, bless my day, bless my church, bippity-boppity-boo. And now I can just know it's all gonna happen exactly as I laid it out. No, okay? That's not why we do it. It is also not a kind of P.S., on the prayer. It's not the farewell. In fact, we're not even told maybe we should start our prayers in Jesus' name. We just always do it at the end, at least most people I know. And we don't include those words uh, in our prayers, even though it's a privilege to do so, or we don't have to. Okay, so I'm not creating another Lord's Prayer where you have to say, in Jesus' name. We're not told we have to do that. It's not about the words so much. And I suspect, again, that many of us do it rather absentmindedly, like it's just sort of a habit. And maybe this is the first time you've thought about, what does that actually mean? Okay, so let's go back to verse 16. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And I want you to see there that the purpose statement, so that builds on what we've been studying here in the upper room for the last several weeks, and that is the metaphor of Jesus as the vine and us as the branches who abide in the vine, who stay connected in the vine, and by doing so receive the nourishment to keep us spiritually alive. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I would say, we can't even pray without Jesus, okay? Not even prayer we can accomplish. No, the branch is nourished by the vine. And so the branch who is nourished by the vine is praying in Jesus' name. Now, how does this apply to so whatever you ask? Abiding in Jesus creates the opportunity for us as the branches to pray to the Father, and by virtue of that relationship with Jesus, he promises to hear our prayers and to answer them, and to grant 
whatever we ask in Jesus' name. And so really what we're saying when we say that, we, that when we pray in Jesus' name is that we are in Jesus' vine. That's a maybe helpful way to say it. In Jesus' name, I am confessing that I am in Jesus' vine. I am professing with those words that I am in a faith connection to God, the Father, through his son, Jesus. And so in that way, in Jesus' name, it's like shorthand. It's like a, a little summary of the entire gospel and what I am affirming, affirming. I am saying that I'm in Jesus' name. I'm in Jesus' cross. I'm in Jesus' resurrection. I'm in Jesus' ascension. I am believing in my heart that he is my, my savior. My hope and trust is in him. And because of that union with Christ, when I say that I am praying in Jesus' name, I am reaffirming the essential gospel in a summary way. I am saying once again, confessionally, that this prayer, like my salvation, is based on the merits of Jesus, not on the merits of me. To quote James Boyce, this is one huge problem with our prayers, not their content, but the faith behind them. Much modern prayer, even by serious Christian people, is useless and ineffective because the people involved approach God thinking that he is obliged to grant their requests because of something they themselves have done for him. That's a great quote. So if our prayers were honest, and let's even be honest here this morning, when we pray to God, functionally, many of us are not praying in Jesus' name, we're praying in our own name because of our spiritual merits, or at least a perception of that. So in Steve's name, amen. Because Steve went to church today, amen. Because I was nice to people today, amen. Really, in my heart. And this is where praying in Jesus' name reminds us that apart from him, all of our perception of spiritual merit that means God's gotta hear my prayer means nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let those words sit on your hearts a second here. Nothing, okay? So we can say that prayer truly is all about him. And effectiveness in prayer is utterly dependent on him. It is not me out on the vine doing my thing. It is, again, that connection to the vine by faith through Jesus Christ. So praying in his name, it's not a magic incantation. It doesn't require God to do what we just prayed. And it doesn't earn us anything. Nothing. Well, then what does it do? What does it do? Why is he going to the trouble of telling us about it here, repeating it three or four times in the upper room? This is what it means. Praying in Jesus' name is a gospel affirmation and entrusts the effectiveness of the prayer to Jesus, not me. Praying in Jesus' name is a gospel affirmation and entrusts the effectiveness of the prayer to Jesus and his merits, not mine. So every time I pray then in Jesus' name, amen, or begin my prayer, I come to you in Jesus' name, it confesses again that my belief in this prayer is the merits and the glory of the Son. And it acknowledges to God 
that the only way this prayer is going to have any effect at all is by virtue of my connection to Jesus and his connection to you. Okay? Now, this isn't a perfect illustration, but it might, uh, it might help in terms of what it means to invoke the name of somebody around uh, my house. Okay, So our girls are normal kids. And what that means is that oftentimes they are trying to get each other to do something. You need to do this. You need to do that. I want you to do this. No, I think you should do that. And inevitably, throughout the day, a few times, they'll come to me and say, Kiralee needs to go do something. She's not doing it. Well, sometimes what I'll say is, you tell her dad said so. And man, they love that moment. They go walking back. You got to clear the table. Dad said so. Now, what does invoking the name what does that do? Well, what they are doing here is they are locating that activity in the larger sphere of authority and responsibility in our home. The name places it in a context. And when we pray in Jesus' name, we are placing our prayer squarely into the larger realm of redemption and God's promise of divine hearing by virtue of Jesus Christ. And so this week, I would encourage you, how about, how about this, or even as we pray in our service today, rather than gunning it when you get to the end of the prayer, go slow and think about every one of those words. In This is my connection to the vine, Jesus. Jesus, Savior, Lord, lover of my soul. Name, his title that represents who he is. In Jesus' name, amen. Right now I want to just uh, talk to you briefly about contemplative prayer, and to encourage you in the next minutes to practice something that various branches of Christianity have have practiced over the centuries, but it basically involves this, where you're in prayer, you think back over your day, you think back over the week, and the ancients called it desolation and consolation, desolation being those Moments when your soul shriveled, maybe sin, maybe you know attitude or whatever, where this was something that that diminished my joy in God, and to confess that, to acknowledge it to God, but then also consolation, to think about the day I've lived or the day I had yesterday or whatever, and to think about those moments where. While we can't see directly the hand of God, it sure seems that the Lord ministered to me during the day, provided for me what I needed, the grace of God in the day-to-day of life, and praise him for that. And by acknowledging the desolation, it reminds my soul that I don't want to live this way. And by praising God for the consolations, it, uh, it goes back to the Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, 
and it provides me opportunities to offer him praise. Well, as we come to part two here, this is uh, some practical tips on how to pray in Jesus' name that our prayers might be effective. And the first thing to realize is that in order to pray in Jesus' name, we have to pray in his will. We have to pray according to his, his will. Even Jesus himself, acknowledging this, prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but your will be done. Of course, his model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, includes the, uh, the words, your will be done. And so this explains how God, the text says, promises to answer our prayers when we pray in Jesus' name. This is when our requests are in conformity with God's will, we get whatever we ask every single time. And so we see in this that it's prayer is less about me convincing God to do something different than he's planning on doing than it is for me to become convinced that what he's doing is good, perfect, and glorifying to him. Prayer aligns us more with God's will than somehow stretching God's will to align with ours. Are you with me on that? Okay. James reminds us that this is our big failure in prayer. Here's what he says. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Huh. I mean, think about your prayers for a moment. The regular content of your prayers. And I wonder if you could roll the tape, like listen to your own prayers. Who is the focus of your prayers? Whose will, whose pleasure is driving the things that you are asking God, petitioning him for? When God's will and his glory are preeminent, we get what we want every time because that means that we want what he wants, okay? Delight yourselves in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, Psalm 37, four. What does that mean? I get what I want, no. When I'm delighting in God, I want what he wants. And so therefore, as what he wants is what happens, I delight in what God has done. Reminding us of the many benefits of prayer in Jesus' name. That was Pastor Steve DeWitt with another lesson from the Upper Room series. If you tuned in late, you can replay today's message online at thejourney.fm. Or for easy listening on the go, subscribe to our podcast. Just search your favorite podcast app for The Journey with Pastor Steve DeWitt. Here on The Journey, our mission is to assist you on your life's path toward the enduring and unchanging truth found in God's Word. Every day through the radio and the internet, Pastor Steve DeWitt takes you into the depths of Scripture, making its truths easy to understand and applicable to your everyday life. And as a listener-supported program, none of this would be possible without your contribution. The journey relies in part on the financial generosity of our listening community. Your support ensures our presence on the radio and internet, allowing us to share the gospel with audiences worldwide. So would you consider making a generous donation today? You can give by calling 844 844- 
Journey. That's 844-756-8763. Or give online at thejourney.fm. As a thank you for your generous gift, we'll send you The Upper Room. It's written by best-selling author John MacArthur. This remarkable book offers a biblical exploration of the last words spoken by our Lord during his final moments with his disciples. This book will help readers find solace and strength, embracing the truth of God's Word and the comfort of His presence in our fallen world. You can request your copy by calling 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763 or visit thejourney.fm. And while you're there, make sure to sign up to receive updates from The Journey. Just scroll to the box at the bottom of the page and then enter your name and email. I'm Tim Svoboda, inviting you to come back tomorrow when we'll continue to explore the depth and significance of prayer in Jesus' name. That's Thursday on The Journey with Steve DeWitt. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.